Amen. Let's go to the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Heavenly Father, it is good for us to be here today. We thank you for your presence by the Holy Spirit as we honor the Lord Jesus Christ, as we lift him up. He draws all men and women to himself, boys and girls and students. We thank you for the opportunity to sing Amazing Grace and to thank you for your glorious salvation, Lord Jesus, for your death for us. But, oh, your love for us is quite overwhelming. Forgive us for having hard hearts and not realizing, not thinking about, not reflecting, not living in the assured love that you have shown to us. How we pray today that you might help us as we come to this time. Forgive us of our sins so that as we enter this part of worship that we might hear your word, each one of us, and receive it with humility for the salvation of our souls. We pray that you might help us to truly know what you have to say to us today as we think about the blessed assurance you give us through knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I pray for every person who's here today. Thank you for those who are our guests. We pray for them. We pray for people who some know Jesus Christ here today. Others are, are interested but don't know. And others are mad at God and angry today, but they've come. We pray that you might, by the Holy Spirit of God, speak to each one of them today in their special need and condition. Thank you for the chance we have today to be together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, find your place in 1 John chapter number 4. Good morning again. I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here with us. If you are a guest with us today, please let us know what we can do for you. Stop by the Welcome Center. Find one of us at... Uh, uh, Brother Todd was up here at the front, one of our pastors and others of us. If we can help you in any way, we want you to do that. First John chapter number four. And over, over the next uh, little while together, I want to talk to our church about what I'm calling in my uh, talking to you, blessed assurance. Blessed assurance. <clears throat> We're coming to talk about one of the most significant things in your life. And I want to talk to you about this blessed assurance we have in knowing Jesus Christ because I have found in my experience as a pastor, a lot of people say, well, I'm saved, Pastor Mike. I, I, I'm a Christian, but, but I'm not so sure that God really loves me because of all the terrible things I've done. I, I'm not so sure that, that um, I, I deserve to be forgiven. I'm not so sure I deserve God's grace. And yes, that's true for all of us. But the reality is that the promise of God is that you can have assurance of salvation. You can be assured that you are saved. And so that's what we'll be talking about from the book of 1 John. And I would encourage you, it's a small book. And as your time permits, uh, if you'll watch week by week, we let you know a little bit ahead of time where we'll be going. We'll be working our way through and looking at some very important issues related to what it means to have real assurance, genuine assurance of salvation. I'm assured that I'm saved. So I'm going to ask this question repeatedly. I'm going to ask it week by week so that you might give consideration to this question because everyone in this room, you must, you must answer this question in your life. 
So I ask you beginning today, it's what I ask people all the time when I talk to them about being saved. I've asked this question most of my life as a believer when I'm talking to someone else about whether or not they're a Christian or not. I ask them at some point in our conversation, are you a 100% certain? Are you 100% assured that when you die, you will go to heaven? Are you 100% certain? Are you 100% sure that when you die, because we will all die, unless the Lord Jesus comes and you're a believer in Christ and you're gathered with the church, uh, death is coming for all. Death is coming for us all, young and old alike. I make no apologies about reminding you of that because the world will rock you to sleep and make you think, well, you know, I've got plenty of time, but who told you you have plenty of time? This may be the last week of your life. This might be the last day of your life. So are you 100% certain? You must answer this question. Oh, when the terrible news comes, when the doctor says to you what you already know, you're going to die, and this is what's going to kill you, well, what kind of certainty or assurance do you have in your soul, in your mind, in your heart? This isn't just for somebody else today. This isn't just for someone else to hear. This is for you to So I'm challenging you this morning to think about this question. And I'll repeat it week by week because sometimes it takes a while for things to sink in. Are you 100% sure that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Well, why blessed assurance? Well... Your answer to this question determines the condition of your heart. You see, there are a lot of people who would say, oh yes, I'm 100% certain when I die I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. But being a good person will never get you to heaven. Oh, I'm 100% certain when I die, uh, I'll go to heaven because I do good things for other people. I'm a considerate kind person. But being considerate and kind does not get you to heaven. Someone says, well, I'm assured that I'm going to heaven because everybody goes to heaven. Everyone goes to heaven, which is counter to everything that God's word says. No, not everyone goes to heaven. Only those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved go to heaven and have eternal life. So these are, there are ways in which people live with what I call false assurance, self-deception, talking to yourself and saying, well, I'm okay. Oh, you lay there in bed at night and it's quiet. And sometimes in your mind, it comes to you and you think, am I really okay with God? <clears throat> What's going to happen to me when I die? Yes, those thoughts have come in your mind and the way you answer. Well, God is, of course, I'm going to heaven when I die. God loves everybody. And because he loves everybody, he lets everybody into heaven. A misunderstanding of the love of God and the grace of God. So today we think about this very important truth. And I'm going to, for the sake of time, though, I'm going to have you keep your Bible open. First John chapter four. We're going to come to this great, great testimony of John the Apostle 
as he speaks on behalf of all God's people, as he wrote to them in the first century, these words are true for us. This is a statement of assurance of salvation. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 16. And then we'll go back. Keep your Bible open. We're going to do a lot of work in 1 John 4 today. Here's the statement of confidence and confident assurance of salvation. Can you say this? Is this true for you today? We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. That's the statement of assurance of salvation. That's what assured Christians say in their darkest time, in their darkest moment, in their most difficult situation. We have come to know and have believed what? The love, the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in the love of God is what he's saying here. The one who dwells in the love of God, who lives in the love of God, uh, abides in God and God abides in him. So our focal truth today is this. Believers grow in assurance of salvation from knowing and believing God's love for them. When I came to know Jesus Christ as a nine-year-old boy, I had general knowledge. I'll speak about that in just a moment. And I believed in the Lord Jesus, but I grew I grew in time in my knowledge of the truth of God's word because I had godly teachers in my life. Thank God for them. It's what we try to do here. The godly teachers who teach our children. I was nine years old. Thank God for those in the primary days of my life who now are in heaven who gave themselves to teach me the word of God. And then those who cared about me as a student and who helped me continue to gain knowledge of the word of God so that I would know. Here's, here it is. That I would come to know the unbelievable, awesome love of God for me as a sinful boy in Jesus Christ. It is the most glorious truth of all. It is the thing which causes us to stand and sing praise to God. It is the love of God given to us in Jesus Christ. Today, I want to make much of the love of God. And for some of you, you need to hear this more than anything else. John does not say we have come to know and have believed the power of God. He does not say we have come to know and have believed the sovereignty of God. He does not say we have come to know and believe the mercy of God. No, he talks about the love of God. And the preacher today will seek as best I can to talk to you about the love of God. The love of God which changes us. It is because someone told me that God loved me that I came to him and committed my life to Christ. The love of God draws us to Jesus Christ. The love of God keeps us with him. And the love of God leads us to honor and glorify him with all of our life. You see, my friends, here's what I've been trying to say to you over the last months or so, as we talked about the Lord Jesus, our high priest, most of you have been here at some time along the way. You see, we learn this about the Lord Jesus being our high priest. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And now he's our great high priest alive in heaven. Here's the point. I am eternally secure 
My salvation is secure. I can't lose my salvation because it's not based on me. It's based on the work of Jesus Christ who died for me, for my sins, and rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. So his ongoing work, he keeps me saved and he saved me when I believed by faith. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. But you do not keep yourself saved. You are eternally saved and you are eternally secure because of the work of Jesus Christ. But, but that does not mean that you have assurance of your eternal, secure salvation. It takes time to learn that. Because when we first come, if you're an adult here and you got saved as an adult, you know what a rascal and godless, wicked person you've been in your life. You know how rebellious you've been toward God. And yet God saved you and forgave you and changed your life. You know how wicked and godless you've been. Though younger people don't always know it, we learn about it. We learn and the more we grow, the more we grow, the more our sin is exposed. And we, we realize, oh, how much of a sinner I have been and I am. I can be guilty of sin in my life. I can fall into sin. And Jesus Christ loved me enough that He died for my sins. He died for the sins of the world. There are some, when I speak about the love of God, would think this is almost an apology. Who would think that this glorious truth about the, about the eternal perfection of God's glory is a secondary issue. It's the most important. It's the primary issue. The greatest, John spends, he says two things, and he could have said many about the eternal, the eternal perfections of God in 1 John. You know what he says? God is light. And number two, God is love. That's what he focused on. So whatever we may do, some think, well, you know, we need to be careful talking about the love of God. Being careful to talk about the love of God. The love of God is the, only, is the thing that opens our hearts and makes us know somebody loved us when we didn't deserve it. Somebody loved us when we could not love ourselves. God is love for God so loved the world. That's everybody in it. He gave his only son. Isn't this what the Lord Jesus said in John 3, 16? It is the love of God. The Lord Jesus comes on the scene and points us. He points all to the love of God. So today we discover the love of God. Verse 16, we, John including himself with all believers, these are the words that must come from our lips if we are people with assurance of salvation. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in, the, in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So I have three observations quickly I'd like to get to today from these verses. Number one, as I've said, believers grow in assurance of salvation first by knowing and believing in Christ. It's right here in our, in our verse, verse 16. Keep your Bible open. Number two, the believer grows in assurance of salvation by knowing and believing God's love for them, as I've already said, but now I'll try to make a little bit more out of this. And then finally, the believer's assurance of God's love produces in them a love for God and a love for other people. There's a lot here for us to look at. 
Uh, perhaps if I was doing it another way, we'd spend time week by week on each of these phrases. But today we're going to move to this because I have to remind you of something. I'm going to remind you now as I speak to you about the glorious love of God today and the assurance you can have of your salvation because of his love. But I also am going to have to talk to you in the weeks ahead about false assurance. I'm going to have to talk to you about the dangers of saying to yourself, I'm saved when you're really lost in your sin. I'm going to have to warn us today and also John's going to warn us about what, it's, what it means to be a liar when we're not telling ourselves the truth and we're not saying the truth to others because what we say with our mouth doesn't match the way we live. John's going to help us understand if I say these things about being a Christian, but I live this way, I'm not a Christian. So we will look at some things together and I'll warn you as well as encourage you about making sure you answer this question. I'm 100% certain and assured that I will go to heaven when I die because I have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. I live in the wonderful assurance of his love and my life shows that I have been saved by God's grace and salvation. Number one, the believer grows in assurance. Notice this. Go back to this phrase. I've been thinking about this phrase for months. It lifts my heart. It lifts my heart. It lifts my mind. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. We have come to know and have believed. This has been true. All of you, my friends in here, I know most of you very well. You've experienced in your life coming to know and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's knowledge and it's belief. It's knowing things, facts that lead to our faith. But then listen, there's an experience that comes from that. There come, when, I, when I know the word of God and when I believe these truths to be true and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden there comes to be a joy and there comes to be emotions in my life I did not have. The world doesn't have them. You're a new creature in Christ. You live a different way. You have a joy in your life in the midst of a sad and pitiful world. You are excited and you have the peace of God. You're assured of things that the world says, oh, you can't be really sure of that. That's why I love what the old Puritan said about assurance. He said, assurance of salvation in Christ is a spring of joy and comfort in you. Uh, the assurance of Christ makes long afflictions short, bitter afflictions sweet. It strengthens your heart, hope. It inflames your love and increases your patience and brightens your zeal. It is that which takes away the assurance of salvation in Christ. It takes away your sinful cares and fears. You see, my friends, the two greatest mercies of God that have been given to us are these as believers. We have been saved and we have eternally secure salvation in Christ. And secondly, that we can live with assurance that we are saved and saved forever. What blessings these are to us. So you came to know the truth of the gospel. John says in verse number 14 of this passage, of this chapter, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Who saw it? John the Apostle and the other apostles saw with their eyes Jesus Christ. They heard Him teach. They lived with Him for three years. They John stood 
and watched him be crucified. He watched the blood pour out of his body till there was no more life in him. He heard him say, it is finished. He saw him taste of that bitter wine. He saw him give up the spirit and there be pierced in the side and blood and water flow out. He saw it with his own eyes, but he was also there to see an empty tomb. He was also there to see the Lord for over 40 days alive back from the dead three days later. And he was there at Bethany as the Lord Jesus ascended out of their sight. And he heard the angel say, this same Jesus will come again in the same way as he has gone. He says here to us, one who is an eyewitness, verse 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. That's knowledge that comes from eyewitnesses. And then he says, we have believed, and notice what he says, verse number 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, that includes, by the way, he came in the flesh. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, please notice verse 15, God abides in him and he in God. This is his shortened way of describing what it means to be saved. You are saved when you confess Jesus Christ. Paul said it, when you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. This is the way in which we come to know Christ. We're saved. We have a knowledge of the truth of the gospel and we believe that truth. And because of that, what happens? It's what Jesus said. He said to those who wanted to be his disciples, John chapter number eight. He said, if you continue in my word, listen, then you're truly my disciples and you will know the truth. Are you ready for this? The truth will set you free. That's a statement of assurance. You know what the truth of God does? You know what the truth in our hearts, the truth that God loves us does to us? It sets us free from our fear. It sets us free from our worry. It sets us free from self-attacks. It sets us free from a poor self-image. I'm not talking to you today about it being an arrogant, boastful person because you're saved. I'm talking to you about with all humility, having a confidence that God loves you and he has saved you and made you a new person and living that way so that you might live a life of joy no matter what bad news comes your way. And I promise you, we live in the world and the bad news will come. It will come. But when you have assurance in your heart of the love of God, you know what you know? God loves me no matter what I go through. God loves me no matter what I'm having to face in my life. Peter said it. You remember when all those disciples were leaving Jesus? Peter said this. He said it on behalf of the disciples. He said, we have come. The Lord said, are you going to leave? Are you men going to leave like these others? Are you going to quit following me because my words are too strong? And Peter said, this is John 6, we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, John tells us in 1 John 5, verse number 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, knowledge of the truth of God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel leads to faith in Him. But then there comes to be an assurance because at the foundation of the gospel, are you listening? 
at the foundation of the gospel. Some get this wrong. At the foundation of the gospel is the love of God for sinners in their sin. He loved you when you were in your rebellion against Him. He loved you. The love of God is demonstrated when He loves hateful, rebellious, godless people. The love of God is displayed gloriously in our world. So I'm saved because I learned to understand that God loves me. And then secondly, I grow in my assurance because, verse 16, I think about God's love for me. You see, love is from God. Look, just take your Bible. Look, chapter 4, verse 7. Love is from God. There it is in that passage. Love one another for love is from God. Love is from God. I make no apology today speaking to you about the glorious, eternal, marvelous love of God. The love of God. Every, the love of God was displayed in the book of Exodus when one of the greatest and glorious statements God spoke for himself about himself and his sovereignty and his power and his majesty. And you know what he says? Showing loving kindness to thousands of generations. This is the love of God displayed throughout all of the Bible's history and revealed in Jesus Christ. Look here in your Bible. I'll read it to you. Verse number 9, 1 John 4, 9. By this the love of God was manifested in us. That, notice, God sent His only Son into the world so that we might be, so that we might live through Him. Verse number 10, in this is love, that not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the payment for our sins. This is the declaration of God's love. It is the love of God that would send Jesus Christ. So if you want to know the love of God, get to know Jesus Christ. And you will see the glory of the love of God. This one, the Lord Jesus, who's walking in a crowd and everybody's shouting. And he says, who called me? And the disciples broke out laughing. Who called you? Or who touched me? This is the one who stopped and healed people along the way. This is the one who demonstrated the love of God. He went about doing good. He demonstrated the love of God among those who were broken and sick and in pain. And I remind you today, you were one of them. If you are a believer in Christ, He was loving you when you were in your worst condition. Think about it today. When you didn't pray... When you probably cursed God, the love of God was extended towards you. His patient love, His merciful love, His gracious love, His enduring love for you. This is what we gain. This is what we learn because someone loves us. I talked to a young person the other day and they said, well, nobody loves me. Yes, somebody loves you. God loves you through Jesus Christ. Nobody else may care about you. Nobody else may pay attention to you and other people may have thrown you aside. But I say to you today, everyone who hears my voice, God loves you. God loves you and through Jesus Christ, He died for your sins. All of you, for the sins of the world. This is the display of the glorious majesty of God's love. He loves people who hate Him and reject Him and refuse Him. 
and His love. This is the display of the glory of God. You want to know how great and sovereign and glorious God is? Look to the love of God in Jesus Christ. It will stir you. You'll live in it. What does John say here, my friends, in verse 16? God is love and the one who abides in love. Are you living in the love of God? Are you living in it? Are you thinking about it? Are you resting in it? John said, and John said it this way, but Paul said the same thing in Romans, uh, famously in Romans 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we go through some circumstance in our life and we're struggling. We're facing a hard time and you know what it is? We, we hear all of this noise around us and it's hard to get out of the cares and worries of the world and all of a sudden it is that peace that comes from the Holy Spirit assuring us, but you are loved by God. But God loves you. He reminds us, the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 6, the love of God is poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us for while, listen, for while we were yet helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was you and that was me. God demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. The believer comes to know Jesus Christ and gains eternal security, but we must grow in our assurance. And some of you believers here today, you're, you're concerned, you're, you're fearful, and you wonder, does God really care about me? Can I really be good enough for God? Can I really do enough good things to make my way? Friend, you didn't do any good things to get saved. You cannot do good things to assure that God will love you. He loves you in Jesus Christ and he loves you regardless of what you have done. You didn't do anything in order to gain his love to begin with and his permanent eternal love, his unconditional love for you remains in your Christian life. Oh, how sad it is when I sit with some of our own people who seem like they can never get over their past. They can never get over their feelings of inferiority, their feelings of self, uh, uh, lack of self-value. But you see, Jesus Christ died for you. That's how valuable you are. The Lord Jesus died for you that you might have life. And because of that, let the love of God Assure and warm your heart. Let the love of God be like a medicine to your mind to calm your troubled mind. And you see, as a result of this, now we have one last thing. The believer who is assured of the love of God, it produces something in the Christian. It produces love for God and others. How, how does he say it here? Verse 17. By this, love is perfected with us. Or you might read it, love is made complete with us. What's he talking about? I'm convinced that what he's talking about here is that the assurance of God's love in me and for me produces love for God and love for others through me. It's because of what he has done for This is perfected love. This is the love that is perfected with us. He says in verse 17... By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence. Look at the last phrase of verse 18. The one who fears is not perfected in love. So I'm saying to some of my Christian friends who are here, you still carry your fears in your life 
And those fears are taking control of you as a believer. That means you need to work on assurance. That means whatever you're afraid of is not greater than God. Whatever you're afraid of is in the hands of a loving God. Whatever you're afraid of, you can overcome because the Lord Jesus has overcome the world. Put those two phrases together. This is assurance. By this, by this, John says, we're going to see this over and over. By this, by this, by this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. The one who fears is not perfected in love. You lack assurance. The believer's assurance of God's love produces love within us. Look, here it is. Before you're saved, you only love yourself. Before you're saved, you only love other people who can do something for you. But when you come to know Jesus Christ, all of a sudden... You love God more than yourself. Wait a minute. And you love other people more than yourself. Now, there's a rabbit here. I could go down a rabbit hole real quick. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole. There's a rabbit about to come out of a hole that I'm about to chase, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay to my notes, but there's a rabbit about to come out. That means, that means that when I'm saved, I love God and I love other people more than I love myself. But sometimes when I go to church, it's all about me. Sometimes when I go to church, it's all about what's been done to me. It's all about self. It's all about me. What I need, what I want. Wait a minute. When I have the assuring love of God that He loves me, it means he's, God is first, other people are second, and I am last. What did the Lord say? What did the Lord say when they were trying to trick Him and question Him? So what are the greatest commandments? You all know this. The greatest commandments are these. The first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two things. When I have the assuring love of God in my life, I don't worry about what I have anymore because the Heavenly Father already knows what I need. I live in the love of God. Therefore, I turn my love, my affection, my passion toward God the Father in praise and worship and commitment to follow Jesus. And I love other people. I look for ways to challenge them. I look for ways to love them, to care for them. This is the normal Christian life. So sometimes we go to church as Pastor Mike, what's it about for me? What's it about for me? I'll tell you, if you're saved, it's about God and other people. That's what it's about for you. It's not about yourself. And for our hearts to be on fire by assurance, for us to have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us, God is love and the one who abides in the love of God and assurance abides in God. God abides in him. And this, by this, love is perfected in us. And we love God and we love others and praise God. Wait a minute. What does it say here? Verse 18. There is no fear in this kind of love, this assuring love. You break out of your fear. You don't live in fear any longer. You see, the love of God frees us. From the fear of death and the world. We love because, wait a minute, it's right there in verse 19. We love God and others. 
with a perfected, assured love because He first loved us. The Holy Spirit is saying to me every day as a believer, that's why you need to pray, friend. That's why you need to go to that quiet, secret place and meet with God in the quiet of that moment, no matter how little that might be. And you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to listen and let the Holy Spirit assure you, you are loved greatly by God. You are, as Paul says, I'm, I'm trying to, you are in the beloved. You are in the beloved. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. The one who is the beloved of God. You are in Christ. You are loved by Him. So what do we remember today about these things today as we finish? Well, four things quickly and I'll be quick. Number one, accept and think deeply of the love of Christ for you. I've given you here something from Paul. Paul prayed, Paul prayed that the Ephesians would have a growing understanding and knowledge, assuring knowledge of the love of God. He, I'll just give you this part of the phrase from it. He prays that they will know the surpassing knowledge of God's love in Christ that fills us with assurance of His love. You, you look up Ephesians 3.19 sometime. He's praying that they would have a love and, and they would accept and think deeply of the love of Christ for them and it surpasses our knowledge. How can we ever describe the glorious love of God for us? It's beyond knowledge and it fills us. Look, some of you are down today and you're discouraged. I challenge you to go home. Now, I don't want you to do it if you're lying to yourself. If you're not saved today, you don't want to assure yourself that I'm, God loves me. God loves me and I can do whatever I want. No, there's a warning. God loves you and He says to us, you must repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you in your wickedness, but you can't go to heaven in your godlessness when you won't repent and be saved. The love of God, the love of God demonstrates to us the importance of coming to Him. You must accept and think deeply of the love of God. This would cheer your heart. If you're a Christian, rejoice in his love for you today. Well, recently one of our one of our people found a new boyfriend. This is our singles. And oh how happy they are. How happy she is to have a new boyfriend. And what I was told is, it's because he loves her so much. Well, I don't know if that's going to work out. But I tell you this, you can rejoice because there is someone who has demonstrated his love for you forever. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to put a skip in your step. That ought to bring a joy back to your heart. That ought to pull you out of your depression and your despair and your feeling sorry for yourself. There is one who loves you more than you can love yourself. So rest in that. Rest in the, rest in the circumstances of your life. What did our Lord tell us to do? I put it here for you, John 15, 9. This is for every disciple in this room. There's no way we could describe all that's going on in the people's lives who are in this room or listening online. But the Lord said to disciples, just as the Father... Listen now. This is for you today. Did you know Jesus knew what it was like to be loved by God? Are you listening to the preacher today? Did you know 
that Jesus Christ knew the love of God the Father for him? Just as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Wait a minute, what's the last phrase? Oh, John must have heard it and remembered it. Abide in my love. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. So I remind you as we leave, perfected love is the assuring love of God for us. And because we have that assuring love for us, it produces in us, through us, growing love for God and growing love for others. You may say, Pastor Mike, why does First John, why does John talk so much about loving one another? Well, we're going to talk about that in some detail. In fact, I, I've met some people who some, they seem to get a little bit aggravated with the book of First John. Because John seems to repeat this matter of loving one another so much. But perhaps for all of my good Bible students in here, you remember your lesson on frequency of use in the Bible. If something comes up a lot of times, it probably means it's really important. So today, today, I hope you can say where you are sitting and listening to these words that you have come to know and have believed the love which God has for, for you in Jesus Christ. And you are abiding in His love. And because of that, fear is removed. Fear is gone. It's cast out. Perfect love casts out fear, verse 18. And now you're not worried about that. You're worried about serving and loving God for all the rest of your days. To the praise of the glory of His grace. The Lord is near to the door. You know, I say that to you and I genuinely mean it and believe it. I want to live today knowing that the Lord Jesus could come today in His, in His return. I want to be ready. I want to be pure in my heart. I want to be living with assurance. And so I pray, come Lord Jesus. And you pray the same. When you gain a heart of assurance, you pray Come, Lord Jesus. Because when your heart is connected to another person like that, when your heart is deeply tied to another person like that, all you do is think about that one who loves you so much. Regardless of what you have done in the past, you are now loved by God.